0: Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery Interview. I'm your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Tuesday, November 27, 2018, and with me today in the studio, I have Robin Luff, the MLA for Calgary East. How are you?
1: I'm not bad, how are you? Pretty good. So you're not really used to all this media attention, are you? (laughs) No, I can't say so. As a as a backbench uh, government MLA, you hardly ever have to talk to media. So,
0: <laughs> well, thanks for making the time to have a chat with us today. I wanted to go over a few things with you. Obviously, there was the um, what I like to call the caluffle. Did you like that term?
1: I liked it. Yeah. I, yeah. I like it when you can use my name as a, as a pun.
0: Yeah. I mean, who doesn't really? Um, so I want to go over what happened when you left the NDP and then now you're an independent MLA for Calgary East. But I want to kick it off by something that happened just last night, um, If depending on when Alice is listening to this. It happened on Monday night inside the legislature. So as I understand it, the NDP government, Danielle Larrave got up and made a motion that she was going to change membership of legislative committees. Then straight away, UCP uh, House Leader Jason Nixon got up and invoked a very rarely used parliamentary clause to shut down amendments and debate. Now you're obviously in the House. Tell me a little bit about what happened here.
1: Yeah, so this is a pretty standard government motion. It happens about once or twice a year. You know, we have some new members in the House, so changing committees is something that normally happens. But given you know that I was on the Public Accounts Committee and I have new status in the House, they were changing my committees as well. And so they were taking me off of Public Accounts Committee and the Heritage Savings Trust Committee, and I was prepared to move a motion to, you know, suggest that I could stay on the Public Accounts Committee. It's good parliamentary practice. It's something that I had asked for. And so I was shocked, actually, because I was in there. I had my pile of amendments prepared. And to see Jason Nixon stand up before before uh, Minister Larive had even sat down, I was there and I was prepared and he was already standing up. And the speaker recognized him right away. And he invoked this, yeah, very rare standing order, 49-2, that's only been used, you know, a couple of times in the previous two decades. I don't and, think and
0: I've ever seen it been used.
1: No, not since I've been in the legislature. Yeah. It's it's really rarely used. And usually I think it's there to sort of stop debate from going on and on and on right. and on. which makes sense. Uh, the previous times it, it had been It does do that
0: sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> it?
1: It can have a tendency to. And so the point of it is if, you know, that someone feels that there's really been a sufficient amount of debate, sort of like if you're at convention and someone calls the question, right? Uh, but the thing with this that was really unique was that no debate had happened yet. Yeah. So it was a government motion and they just didn't want to talk about it.
0: Now, I was reading Hansard this morning because that's how I like to do over breakfast. Um, and it seemed like Greg Clark and Derek Fildebrand, who of course were in the legislature with you and in the little, I don't want to call it independent corner because of course Derek has his own party now and Greg's in the Alberta party, but in that little corner of dissent, let's call it, they were really going to bat for you here, weren't they? And I guess for Prab Gill as well.
1: Yeah, it was it was nice of them. I didn't have as long of a speech as perhaps I might have because I wasn't as prepared. I was I was shocked, quite frankly, and yeah. so I, my speech was basically like, "This is an abomination." And then I sat down <laughs> because I didn't have enough time to really process it. And I'm new in the Independence Corner, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Greg Clark and Derek both stood up and talked about what a sort of real shame this is and you know at one point even they had Tanyao going shame because he just wasn't really paying attention uh and it just
0: and then Greg Clark said something like, oh, yeah, of course you'd say shame because you're so used to doing that when the NDP is saying anything. You're not even listening to what's going on here. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And you could tell that some of the, uh, the UCP members didn't really know what was going on because they turned to look and came over and talked to us afterward to ask for points of clarification uh, because it's the sort of thing that could rub a lot of them the wrong way, especially if they're, you know, previous wild rosers.
0: Now, Greg Clark and Derek Fildebrand are both calling it collusion between the NDP and the UCP that happened before the motion was made. Did you get a similar kind of feeling?
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely had to have been decided ahead of time because the fact that Jason Nixon leapt to his feet so rapidly Mm. to use this particularly rare clause that someone would have had to have told him about, they would have had to have made a plan. You know, it's a little trick of the legislature procedure, but it's... Really unfair and really undemocratic to use it in this way. The outcome is you're
0: still on a committee, right? Just not public accounts.
1: Yeah, I'm still on the families and communities committee, and I had asked to stay on the families communities committee and public accounts. But the particular thing about public accounts is if you look at the best practices guidelines, public accounts committee membership is supposed to stay as fixed as possible uh, because it's just it's, you get particular training for being on the public accounts committee, and. Um, it's supposed to be a nonpartisan committee. It largely works by consensus. There's hardly any votes at the Public Accounts Committee, and so changing committee membership in that particular committee is is particularly a bad idea. And also, the government still had a majority on the committee, so it's not as though by leaving me on the committee they would have lost their ability to push through whatever they wanted. I it just would have allowed me the opportunity to stay on a committee that I that I enjoy.
0: Now, obviously, I want to get to what happened we with you. So. Originally beginning, for those who are unfamiliar with the situation and perhaps new to listening to the press gallery, at the beginning of session you weren't there for the first week and then you sent out an open letter to all Albertans saying, I'm actually sitting out in protest because of what I see as bullying and harassment by the upper echelons of the NDP that does not allow me to properly represent my constituents. Um, Very rapidly the NDP had a caucus meeting and kicked you out of the NDP caucus and that was all on the Monday. And then at Monday night, I think around 9.30 was when they uh, put out a press release about that. And then now you're sitting as an independent, but you meanwhile had a town hall meeting, didn't you, with your constituents?
1: Yeah, I did. So. Uh- the first week of the legislature, I was I was trying to work things out internally. So I was trying to see if I could uh, come to a solution without having to to make a public fuss. But it became very clear to me that that wasn't a thing that was going to happen. That they weren't taking my concerns seriously. And so I decided, you know, I need to go public with this information. I certainly have received a lot of criticism for the decision to boycott the le- legislature as opposed to just choosing to leave and sit as an independent. But from my point of view. People leave and sit as an independent, you know, all the time. It's a thing that's happened over the course of history, federally, provincially. I'm done with my party. I I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to go sit as an independent. And that doesn't have the same impact, I don't think, as pointing out that I should be able to represent my constituents while still being part of my party. And so I made that choice quite purposefully uh, to sort of illustrate the fact that the legislature isn't working as it should, in my opinion. And... I did have a town hall meeting, though. It was well attended. I had, you know, not quite 100 people, but close to. And they were very supportive. And people said they learned a lot about democracy. Because as much as people, you know, who are ledge reporters, who uh, spend time paying attention you can call to You a- nerds.
0: It's fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ledge nerds. People who spend time paying attention to politics recognize that party discipline, to this degree, is sort of a matter of course at our stage in democracy. Your average person on the street doesn't know. And they don't understand. And they feel that they, rep- they, they vote for someone to represent them. And to hear that party discipline has gotten to a point where it's very hard for an individual member to represent them is quite shocking to most people. And so I had a lot of support, but they did say that they did want me to come back to legislature and to ask questions and to do what I can as an independent. And so I chose to do that.
0: Now, Karen McPherson, who is now with the Alberta Party, she left uh, the NDP caucus as well and sat as an independent for a very, very brief nanosecond of time before she joined the Alberta Party. But she didn't really do it in the public way that you did. So you said that you thought there was kind of more value to doing it in the very public way and airing the public laundry, as it were. Why did you think that was more valuable than just kind of going, you know what, I'm just going to let the NDP do their thing and I'm just going to leave because I really don't like it?
1: Well, it's a personal choice, right? And I absolutely respect the choice that Karen made, and I respect the choice that anybody makes to do it whatever way they want to. But I really wanted to have a public conversation about what party discipline is and the culture of what I see as bullying and intimidation in the legislature in general, uh, because it is super hierarchical. Uh, People who have have the ability to affect your ability to do your job, have power over you, and those are often the same people you're asked to complain to if you have a if you have an issue, and there isn't a transparent process. So, I wanted to talk about that, and I just wanted to talk about democracy in Alberta and like how much do people really want their representatives to represent them, or do they want to vote for a party who's basically going to make all of the decisions for four years? And I think that's a valuable conversation to have. I obviously don't think that backbench MLAs should be relegated to you know cheering basically and being message boxes for the government. But that's my opinion, uh, and I want to have a public conversation about that to see what people think. And if I had just chosen to go sit as independent, I don't think it would have gotten the attention and perhaps the legs that it has. It did get some legs and kept on running, <laughs> still running, in fact. And
0: you're running right out of committee now. Um, I'm curious the. Now, the NDP isn't known for necessarily forming provincial governments super duper often uh, in Canada, really not in Alberta. Did you not think maybe, you know what, I'm a new Democrat, the new Democrats are in government, I would rather that we can get the work done that we want to do. If What if we don't win next year? Or what if we never get a chance to govern again? Was there any thought to maybe just sticking it with party lines and being like, you know what, I'm a new Democrat, I'm going to just suck up? any personal feelings I have and stick with the team.
1: Of course, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I might take issue with the fact that New Democrats don't form governments that often. They've formed government quite a bit in BC and Saskatchewan yeah, and that's Manitoba. Fair. And Manitoba, yeah. So, and a long time ago in Ontario. But <laughs> but certainly in Alberta, it was the first time in, in forever. It never happened before. And I was really excited to be part of the first New Democrat government in Alberta. And I am... Very happy to see a lot of the changes that have been made in the last three and a half years. But at the same time, you know, we were told that the New Democrats in Alberta were going to do government differently. And part of the reason I got involved in the New Democratic Party was because they had said that they were going to do democracy differently, because they believed in things like proportional representation, and because they disapproved of the way that Stephen Harper was overly controlling of the message. And so I went into it thinking that it was going to be different because I was very aware of how how government worked in Canada and I didn't think it was, doing, it was the right way to do it. And so, you know, part of that is I didn't do it earlier, perhaps, because I was holding out in hopes that there would be some internal changes because I was cognizant of the fact that we were building a government from scratch. You know, we had four MLAs who had been MLAs before. It was a lot of work and I was willing to you know, let it be bumpy for a little while, but when it became very clear that the choices to control MLAs were very purposeful, as opposed to just being part of you know, the course of things and not having time to think about it, uh, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Now, there are different
0: levels of partisanship, obviously. You've got some people who are very rah-rah, drink the Kool-Aid of whatever party they're in, um, and there are others who are just kind of like, I want to say along for the ride, but they are. They're a little more chill about it. They're a little more flexible. They're more willing to maybe take on ideas from the other side of the bench. How do you see yourself on that spectrum? Do you think you like, would you consider yourself a a real NDP partisan before all of this?
1: Well, I think I am pretty I'm a pretty hardline democratic socialist, yeah, Uh, but not necessarily a partisan per se. So I hadn't been involved in the new Democrats for that long. I had run in the 2012 election okay, and I had started to get involved around 2011. Uh, prior to that, you know, I dabbled. I was a member of the Alberta Party for a little while. I joined the PCs to vote for Alison Redford in the 2011 leadership race. Uh So... I cared about politics, but I wasn't really sure where I fit. So in terms of being a really hardcore partisan, some people grow up in the party, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. Like uh, my birth mom, for example, grew up in the New Democrat Party. Her dad ran here in Alberta, ran against Grand Notley. She was out knocking doors from the time she was, you know, 12. Some people are really steeped in the party stuff, and I am less so, I suppose you could say. Is there
0: any thought you mentioned that you were in Alberta Party for a little while? Do you think about crossing over to those guys?
1: No, I I think the Alberta party has gotten a bit too centrist for me. And when we talk about centrism in Alberta, Alberta has been so far right for so long that, you know, if you look at the scale of left to right, uh, I think almost all of the major political parties basically run from like the NDP is the center. The Alberta party is like the center right. And then the UCP is like way over on the far right. Just for our listeners, you are you are gesticulating very hard with your right <laughs> way hand. Way over there. Kind of way over, over, over there. on the far right. <laughs> and so there's not really much on the left in Alberta. And I think that's a voice that's been lacking in the conversation that we've been able to have, because when you have a conservative government for so long, it pushes the window of what's acceptable. It's called the Overton window. I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, it pushes the window so far to one side that... And it's the window is sort of the acceptable realm of debate, and so the acceptable realm of debate in Alberta is is quite comfortably in the centre right, and so I don't really want to join a party that's doing anything to continue to push that window uh, further to that side.
0: Now you are getting I've noticed that you and um, Derek Fildebrand and Prab Gill have kind of been chatting amongst yourselves sometimes down in uh, Independent Corner down there. Um, and, of course, you're getting support from uh, Kara McPherson has very publicly come out to give you support as well. It seems like Greg Clark is kind of, you know, chatting with you too. What is the general feeling in that kind of corner now that you're getting as a new member of, of Siberia?
1: Yeah, so I think we Siberia now. I think we recognize over in Siberia that we have different views. We're certainly not all along the same lines in terms of where our political views fall. No. But at the same time, Given that we are all independents, it's important to support each other. So we're there for divisions. You need three people to call a division, and so you, you know, if we need to, we can call a division. We're willing to support each other Mm -hmm. in because when you are an independent or when you are one member of a party, you don't have as much support around you. So having other people there to help, you know, let you know if something's coming up. Oh, that that. The bill that you were wanting to table an amendment to is coming up. You should get into the House or just to support each other on procedural things. So I've found it all right from that point of view.
0: So it's more of a I've got your back, but I won't agree with you. 100%. Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless yeah. it was last night or unless it was Monday night, in which case.
1: Yeah, so the three agreed. of us pretty much agreed pretty, pretty firmly because it was a and I think one of the things that does sort of unite those of us in the corner for Siberia is is a desire to do democracy differently and to have democracy be better. You know, uh, Dr. Starkey has recently written an article, I think, for the Canadian Parliamentary Review about it. Um, Derek certainly has his ideas about how democracy should be. And I think the Alberta Party, I've had lots of good conversations with Greg Clark, uh, even prior to leaving the NDP, about sort of whip systems and what it's like in the UK versus what it's like here in Canada. And so we're parliamentary nerds a little bit, I think, in the corner. And so that perhaps unites us a bit.
0: I think you kind of have to be too, right? Because you haven't got the support of the research or the people around you who've been there forever.
1: Yeah, exactly. You kind of
0: need that. Um, do you, what's the feedback been like from your old NDP colleagues on the backbench?
1: To be perfectly honest, I haven't really heard from any of them. Oh, were you expecting to hear from them? I thought maybe like I had heard I heard from some of them initially, Mm. for sure, uh, to say, like, I'm sorry you felt that way. And like, let me know if you need anything. But uh, since I've been back, it's they largely have not talked to me. So because I think it's it's hard for some of them because I know some of them feel the same way that I do, because I had those conversations with them when I was over there. And so, you know, to see them all, every single one of them stand up last night and vote for that motion that some of them know is the wrong thing to do is disappointing. But I also but I also understand because I was there and they're in a position right now where they do feel really strongly that the NDP has to win the next election and a lot is at stake. And if they're concerned that I might be putting some of that in jeopardy, I understand. Do you feel like you have put some of that in jeopardy? Like I said before, and like I've said, if I really thought that one person defecting from the NDP was going to ruin their entire shot at winning the next election, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I thought I could draw attention to the issue of democracy and that we can do democracy better. And really, that I don't think the UCP is going to be any different. They're going to, like, I knew some of those guys last night didn't want to stand up and vote for that motion. Uh, I know that they didn't want to, and they were told they had to, too. So I think bringing attention to the fact that all major parties do this. And this is something that we want to talk about and something that people can ask their candidates when when they knock on their doors. Just very briefly,
0: one of the things that came up, you mentioned in your, um, one of the letters, you've had a few, <laughs> um, was about this idea of kind of harassment within the party. And then that kind of just snowballed into these reports of um, two MLAs with kind of sexual improprieties or sexual harassment of some of some nature or the other, and then the end, sorry, the UCP had a workplace complaint as well. Were you surprised that things went in that direction?
1: Not entirely. When I put that thing, when I put that sentence in the letter, I knew that people would dig. Like yeah. I knew that that wasn't going to go unnoticed by the media. Um, yeah, I was like, you know how we work. <laughs> and so, and so I, I wasn't entirely surprised. I, I, I'm a little surprised that it was kept under wraps so well for so long they managed to do that really well. And so I'm, I'm really supportive of Karen McPherson's efforts to sort of get uh, an investigation onto what the process looked like. So I know that they did hire you know very well-respected independent uh, lawyers to do the investigations. Mm. But I haven't seen the details, or and I haven't seen what the process was. And certainly no one ever offered me a process when I said I felt bullied. And so to know what that process actually looks like and how it got to the point mm. of having an independent investigation I'd be interested in. I, I sort of fall on the side that if it wasn't criminal, Probably releasing names isn't hundred percent necessary just because I think a lot of what's happening in workplaces now is that people are trying to figure out what's acceptable, mm. right? A lot of people for a long time might have thought that a lot of compliments or you know aggressive hugging was just how things are. Uh, and if suddenly you're in an environment where you know that's not okay, and you just need to be to be told <laughs> that's not okay, right? And so that's not criminal, right? And so as long as it's not criminal, I don't care as much about who it is as I do about making sure that the process was proper. Did you know about those sexual harassment complaints? No. I did not, know. Yeah, fair enough. And finally, do you regret anything that's happened? No, I don't think so. I think I knew putting that letter out, I was probably not gonna get to stay in caucus. I am a little bit sad that they didn't choose to use it as an opportunity to go, you know what, you're right, there is a problem here. There's a problem in how parliamentary democracy works, and there's a problem in our hierarchy of power, and there's a problem with, you know, party discipline being more important than people's feelings. But they, they chose not to go in that direction, so that's a little disappointing. But I think overall, uh, I made the right choice, and I'm going to be comfortable with that moving forward. Fair enough. Robin
0: Luff, Calgary East MLA, now independent, formerly of the NDP. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Press Gallery interview. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You can subscribe to the Press Gallery. You get two episodes a week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Where else? Stitcher, Google Play, lots of places. And if you have any questions, comments or concerns, do shoot me a line to egraney at postmedia.com or you can find me on Twitter at emma L. Graney.